And now, at last, it comes. You will give me the ring freely. In place of a dark lord, you would set up a queen. And I shall not be dark, but beautiful and terrible as the morning and the night, dreadful as the storm and the lightning, stronger than the foundations of the earth, and all shall love me in despair. Hey there, Tolkieners. I'm Danny J. And I'm Joel N. And welcome back to Keep on Tolkien, episode 44. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still here. We're still here. We're uh, <laughs> two episodes into season four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've come so far. So far, Joel. Four seasons? Wow. What an accomplishment. Well, let's get right into it, gang. What's today's topic? Today, the topic is making history. KOT history, that is. And today we're doing the first ever female character profile. We're going to be covering Galadriel today. Yeah, yeah, everybody's favorite elf maiden. I'm kind of surprised we actually haven't done an episode on her yet this far, because she's a pretty big character. Yeah, and uh, it's been a long time coming, let's be honest, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, she's very important for multiple reasons, which we will talk about. Yeah, which we'll get into here in a second, guys. So, briefly, let's just touch on uh, who is Galadriel. Uh, she's most well-known as for her part in The Lord of the Rings. But in reality, she's been an important character since the Year of the Trees in Valinor. Yeah, by the time of the War of the Rings, she is the only surviving member of the House of Finway left in Middle-earth. And that, well, that's, of course... Is everybody knows, except for maybe Maglor, who's maybe, crazy. Maybe Maglor, wandering somewhere around on the western shores, mm-hmm. singing and grieving. But yeah, this, of course, makes her a princess of the Noldor, which maybe we should just... Should we say this is part four of our Princes of the Noldor series? Prince? We very well could. Yeah, we could. Princess of the, of the, of the Noldor. Of the Noldor. So let's get into some names and titles for Galactic. The first is Artanis, which is Quenya for noblewoman, and that was given to her by her father, Finarfin. She's also called Nerwen, which is Quenya for manmaiden, which was the name that her mother, Irwin, gave her. Altariel, which is Teleron Quenya for maiden crowned with radiant garland. That's pretty elaborate. Yeah, it's a pretty elaborate word. Uh, and that was given to her by her husband, Celeborn. Out of love. She's also known as the Lady of Lorien. The Lady of the Golden Wood. Lady of the Galadrim. And Mistress of Magic. Which I just said earlier in the warm-up would be my stripper name. <laughs> so we got a little bit of a disclaimer here before we get into the meat and potatoes of uh, the Galadriel story. Yeah, here. something that's special about Galadriel that we kind of want to touch on before we get too much into her story. So Tolkien actually died while he was actively working on the story of Galadriel and Celeborn. Uh, specifically Galadriel's story. Um, but he was working on uh, what they call in the biz retconning, which stands for what? Retroactively configuring, right? Into the story. So, uh, yeah. And he was she was going to be a character that would uh, tie all the three ages together. Right, yeah. Because I think she originated in some of his third age stuff. Mm-hmm. But then given some of like the qualities and like history that he assigned to her character, he figured he could tie her all the way back. And he did. Yeah. As uh, as we know from the Silmarillion, she's in some of the early stuff. Oh, yeah, totally. And we're going to talk all about that. But here's the thing. There's a bunch of different versions of everything about Galadriel's origins. 
So uh, what we're going to do is give you the most generally agreed upon version of the story, unless we spe- specify otherwise. Right. Yeah, because he died during that retcon process, he never finished it. So there's like multiple versions of her doing different things at the same time. So there wasn't, there isn't a lot of official canon, but uh, we're going to do the best we can to put together the most. Like, like, cohesive. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like Danny said, the most widely accepted version of mm-hmm. these tales. And uh, we actually found a little uh, quote about how frustrating it is to deal with the history of Galadriel and Celeborn. And this is a quote from Christopher Tolkien from The History of Galadriel and Celeborn in the Unfinished Tales. There is not part of the history of Middle-earth more full of problems than the story of Galadriel and Celeborn, and it must be admitted that there are severe inconsistencies embodied in the traditions, or to look at the matter from another point of view, that the role and importance of Galadriel only emerged slowly, and that her story underwent continual refashionings. So yeah, he's pissed about it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I imagine that must have been super difficult trying to put the book together and figure out where she's supposed to be in all this. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into um, her, the agreed upon version of the story, right? Origins. Boom. Where was she born, Joel? So she was born in the city of Tyrion in the years of the trees, 1362. So she was born at a wonderful time to be alive. Yeah, just the best time. Her father was Fenarfin, who is the uh, youngest son of Finway. And her mother was Erwin, and she was one of the princesses of the Teleri. So let's get into some of the... Uh I feel like this is like a reading about a D&D character or something. Powers and abilities. Well, yeah. I mean, she's one of the characters who is like known for her cool magic powers and abilities. I mean, yeah. she's she's the sister of uh, of Finrod Felagan. Of Finrod. And he know, he's got all kinds of magic. Yeah, they, got, they got a bunch of magic yeah. in their family. Yeah, they're magical. Magical as fuck. So let's talk about her first and foremost magical ability slash property. Her magic ass hair. And here's the thing, guys. When you're saying that or writing it, put the hyphen in the right place. Yeah, we just want to clarify that here the hyphen goes between magic and ass. Yes, not (laughs) ass and hair. Because that would be magic ass hair. And that's not what we're talking about here, guys. Already. So I guess it's arguable that any hair would be magical, but yeah, yeah, we're talking specifically the hair on her head. So you're saying that her ass hairs are also magical? Uh, Maybe. Oh, man. Elves don't even grow beards. What makes you think they have ass hairs? Hmm. Q-Dan has a hairy asshole. He's the only one. (laughs) All right. So let's talk more about her magic ass hair. Although her hair color can be attributed to her mother's kin, who are the Teleri of Elkolande, it is said that her hair in her hair has captured the light of the two trees. Yeah, so aside from it being blonde, it is actually, it shimmers with a kind of like gold and silver effect. It actually captured the light of the trees. Yeah, straight up. Similar to the Silmarils, I guess you could yeah, say. Yeah, And here's a little uh, quote about her hair. Even among the Eldar, she was accounted beautiful, and her hair was held a marvel unmatched. It was golden like the hair of her foremother, Indus, but richer and more radiant, for its gold was touched by some memory of the star-like silver of her mother. And like Joel said a second ago, legend actually has it that her hair was uh, what inspired Feanor to create the Silmarils. Oh, so that was direct inspiration for him to create the Silmarils. Yeah, because he was like, so you can capture the light of things in things? In your hair? In Yeah, like in an object and it'll like radiate that light. And also her, her hair was the mingled light of the tree. So like he had that idea to like to mingle the light as well. And here's a little excerpt about that. And the Eldar said that the light of the two trees, Lorelin and Telperion, had been snared in her tresses, 
Many thought this, saying, gave to Feanor the thought of imprisoning and blending the light of the trees that later took shape in his hand as the Silmarils. For Feanor beheld the hair of Galadriel with wonder and delight. He begged three times for a tress, but Galadriel would not give him even one hair. Damn. Denied. Denied. I won't give you the hair off my ass, son. <laughs> Which we just learned might be magical as well. I mean, I imagine if the hair on her head is like, I imagine any hair would be. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's something I didn't actually previously know, that Feanor had actually sought out her hair for that reason before he made the Silmarils. I didn't know that. Yeah. If you guys want to sift through all this Galadriel information, a lot of it is in the uh, Unfinished Tales, the uh, history of Galadriel and Celeborn. Which is actually pretty extensive. Yeah, pretty it was more extensive than I remembered it when I sat down to do this episode. That's for damn sure. So uh, we're still kind of talking about her powers and abilities. So aside from her hair, Galadriel is also known for her keen senses. And she had the ability to read people's hearts and minds somewhat, which uh, her brother Finrod had as well. Remember? Yeah, yeah, we've talked about this before with we, yeah. Finrod. And I think we talked about it with uh, Elrond as well, because Elrond yes, can kind of do yeah, this. Yeah, Elrond can do it as well. And it's an art known as Asanwe. And uh, we got a little um, excerpt about her keen insight. From her earliest years, she had a marvelous gift of insight into the minds of others, but judged them with mercy and understanding. And she withheld her goodwill from none, save only Feanor. In him she perceived a darkness that she hated and feared. Though she did not perceive that shadow of the same evil had fallen upon the minds of the Noldor and upon her own. Yeah, and this art of Asanwe um, is experienced firsthand by the Fellowship of the Ring when they enter uh, Lothorian. Oh yeah, later on down the line when they yeah, that's a good example of of, of that. And uh, as you'll remember, some people don't like that. Like uh, for example, Boromir when that happens to him, he felt very uncomfortable. Yeah, Sam with the as whole, well. Yeah, and see, yeah, Sam too with the whole somebody's re- basically reading my mind and yeah. my emotions. Nobody was really okay with it. Unless no, they had been pretty, used to it's it. It's a like, pretty big invasion of privacy, yeah. I would imagine, for someone who didn't know that it was going to happen. Yeah, like Aragorn is used to it, I'm sure. Like, he's met her a few times. Yeah, he's been there before. I'm yeah. sure he knows what's up. But the other ones are like, yeah, that wasn't cool. <laughs> All right, so let's get into a little bit of Galadriel's story. And let's jump in around the time of the darkening of Valinor and the rebellion of the Noldor. So after the death of the two trees, the Noldor, they were under the leadership of Feanor who set out to leave Amon against the will of the Valar. So this is when we had some splitting in, the, in you know, within uh, Valinor. Some of the Noldor wanted to leave under Feanor, some wanted to stay. But ultimately, Galadriel hated Feanor, but she was still moved by his words of, uh, of leaving and finding uh, new realms and places to go. Yeah. The adventurous aspect of what he was getting into. Yeah, so she didn't like him, that. but she was down for the message, basically. Yeah. So Galadriel and the rest of the House of Finarfin, they set out to leave with this giant host of Noldor under the rule of Feanor. And they didn't really care about the Silmarils or any of that shit. They just wanted to leave Middle-earth, you know, for their own reasons. Like, like Danny just said, the adventurous stuff, to find their own lands and, and go back to the ancient lands. And Galadriel, she was a strong, independent woman. She had plenty of her own reasons for wanting to leave. And we've got a quick excerpt about that. She was proud, strong, and self-willed as were all the descendants of Finway, save Finarfin. And like her brother Finrod, of all her kin nearest to her in heart, she had dreams of far lands and dominions that might be her own to order as she would without tutelage. 
So I just gotta say here, I love how in this quote, they somehow found the time to shit on Phenarfin. Yeah, that, that actually took me by surprise as I was yeah, reading dude. that. I was like, of all the descendants save Phenarfin, I was like, wait, wait, when did Phenarfin do something? So he was, was he was neither proud, strong, nor self-willed? <laughs> Like this guy is, yeah. This, <laughs> this fucking, he was this. like, he was apparently the uh, he's one a, out. Yeah, he's a jagoff. Apparently, nobody is. Nobody likes him. So moving forward, uh, after the after they leave is when we come upon the kinslaying of of El Quilande and the Doom of Mandos. And this is when Finarfin <laughs> repents and turns back. So Finarfin maybe, the coward. Maybe this is where where the why Tolkien's given Finarfin grief because he. <laughs> I don't know, wussied out and turned around? That coward Finarfin. <laughs> so even though Finarfin turns and goes back and repents, his children still resolve to leave with the rest of their kin. So that includes Galadriel and Finrod and... Uh, uh, Angnor and Angrod. Yes. And it said that Galadriel also had purpose to go along to thwart, Fre- to, to basically thwart Feanor's rash leadership because she really didn't agree with him leading anybody. Yeah, and that was kind of a similar um, motive to Fingolfin. Remember, he was like, I don't want to leave my people alone with this dude. Oh, yeah, he's like, I don't really <laughs> want to go, but I don't want to leave them to the rash rulership of fucking Feanor, yeah. so I guess I'll go too. Yeah, so all these people are going to like check his power because he's a super unstable leader. So yeah, he's as, surround as we himself, find, yeah. yeah. So they have to surround themselves with uh, you know people to constantly check their craziness. Right, yeah, I mean, as soon as they leave, shit, just starts falling apart mm-hmm. pretty much right away under the rule of Feanor. As you can see, we have strong opinions about Feanor. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, uh, Galadriel and her family, they defied the Valar by leaving, but they were not involved in the oath of Feanor. And we've got a quick excerpt about this. No oaths, she swore, but the words of Feanor concerning Middle-earth had kindled in her heart, for she yearned to see the wide, unguarded lands and to rule a realm of her own. Yeah, so ultimately, um, she didn't. She wasn't part of that oath because uh, they more or less missed the kinslaying of Alcolande. Right. Yeah, her group. It's debated on whether or not she was even there for it. Yeah, Galadriel and Finrod. They were in the of the entire group of Noldor leaving. They were in the back mm-hmm. part of the group. So uh, Cause they they didn't get there in time. There were a lot of people. Finrod was ge- probably dragging his fucking treasure chest oh yeah because finrod (laughs) brought so much treasure with him yeah they said that the people that went with gladriel and finrod they were like the older and wiser folks who were going to miss their fair city so they would like they went slower and they turned and looked back behind them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh yeah so they missed the kinslaying so they didn't uh they weren't part of that bitter oath of feanor and here's a fun little alternate version of the story in which gladriel was already in alcolande visiting her mother's family when the naldor attacked and she escaped the violence and sailed to Middle-earth with Caliborn, who in this version of the story is a Teleran elf from Elquilande. Yeah, so that's, again, like we mentioned before, when Tolkien died, he was actively retconning her, and so there were these multiple different versions of where she was at certain times. Mm -hmm. And so this is one (laughs) of the ones that wasn't ultimately accepted. Right, Right. and do you know what um, Caliborn's name is in this version of the story? (laughs) (laughs) It's... It's teleporno. <laughs> Tele- spelt exactly teleporno. as it sounds. Yeah, T E L E porno. That's <laughs> how you spell it. Oh, that made me laugh. I like Celeborn. It's pretty. Yeah, it's Cele- pretty. Celeborn's <laughs> better than teleporno. I agree. It's a good name. 
And as we may or may not remember about the Feanorians, they totally fuck over the host of Fingolfin and the house of Finarfin uh, when they stole the ships and left them stranded in Amon, holding the bag for this whole rebellion deal. Yeah, after everyone had to basically double down on leaving, he, he dips out on them and leaves over half of them behind. Yeah, and Galadriel and the rest of the host end up having to cross the Hillcracks, also known as the Grinding Ice. And they, had to, they ultimately entered Beleriand at the Rising of the Sun. And that is what ushers in the beginning of the first stage. I always love that scene. It's it's glorious. Yeah, like, that's like Washington crossing the Delaware on crack. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like Fingolfin just sitting his like muddy boots in the fucking steps of Hithlum. You know, like just and then the sun just fucking coming up over mm-hmm. the horizon. Like Hell and yeah. it like halos around him. I don't oh. know if that's yeah yeah just a yeah it's a beautiful beautiful shot because it's right as they're coming off the hell cracks is when the moon rises and right as they enter into hithlum is when the sun rises right right on yeah epic epic history there with the crossing of the grinding ice Mm -hmm. uh turgon's wife is killed yeah, there was a yeah we found we looked up once and apparently there were like thousands supposedly like thousands yeah, of elves that died lots. because there I mean there were ultimately like hundreds of thousands that were crossing mm-hmm. so I can imagine that the death toll was pretty high that must have been horrible and also we ran into this question it doesn't if anybody out there knows just let us know can elves starve to death that's what we were wondering remember with the cri- the grinding ice right yeah because they're not they don't have the same like ill fates as men like they can't get sick and things mm-hmm. but i imagine that they can like drown and stuff <laughs> but I, starving to death i don't know that seems like somewhere in between how many different ways are there to kill an elf well they said that a elf can die via grief or by being slain so no i mean how many different ways are there to slay an elf as well oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh i see Moving forward. Moving forward. Let's talk so, about... Yeah, yeah, beginning of the first stage. But first stage has begun. So let's talk about a little bit of <laughs> what Galadriel did during the first stage. So after arriving in Middle-earth, Galadriel and Finrod, they go to Doriath. And that's to visit their great uncle, King Thingol. Yeah, because if you'll remember, King Thingol was a Teleron elf. Yeah, his name was um, uh, Elwe. So while in Doriath, this is when Galadriel meets and falls in love with an elf known as Celeborn, or Teleporno. Or teleporno, exactly. From now on, for, uh, let's change it, Joel. Let's change it in the outline. Every time it says Celeborn, let's say teleporno instead. Teleporno. So eventually, Gladriel and teleporno are married. And they ultimately become Middle-Earth's like ultimate power couple. And yeah, they, they ultimately end up throughout the ages roaming throughout Middle-Earth. And they end up ruling several realms over the years. They're, they're kind of everywhere. Yeah, but uh, we'll get we'll get a little bit more onto that as we go on. So Finrod and Galadriel are uh, very careful when they speak to Thingol about not revealing the true nature of their departure from Valinor. Yeah, because the Noldor did not depart peacefully, as as we'll remember. There was the kinslaying, there was the straight burning of the ships, yeah. there was straight up defying the Valar when they tell them not to leave. And oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're yeah they're not too sure how King Thingol would take that, especially since they slayed a bunch of his family. Yeah. And the at the kinslang so they they, yeah so they avoided that subject but after a time galadriel's brother finrod departs to the caverns of of uh, narag and establishes the kingdom of nargathron that was uh after he was inspired by doriath by menagroth right yeah the red thousand caves yeah i think thingle actually tells him about he does yeah he tells him about the narag caves yeah yeah 
When they go visit him that first time, that's when he tells him about those caves. Yeah. So, but Galadriel, she stays in Doriath with Celeborn, but she does occasionally travel to Nargothrond to visit her brother, of course. Naturally. Naturally. So, in Doriath, Galadriel becomes very close with Melian the Maya, which is Thingol's wife, naturally. And it can be assumed that this is where she learns a lot of her knowledge of uh, magic and, and things of this nature. Yeah, because Melian the Maya, like throughout all the First Age stories, she's always the one that really knows what's up. Yes, always yeah these two ladies in general like when i um i i always kind of write like a funny like tagline for the episode and on this one it's uh, galadriel's smartest person in the room which is like her and melian are always the smartest people in the room oh yeah they're always yeah they're always the smart they always have the good advice that somehow gets ignored mm-hmm. and some bad shit happens yeah and you're always like <laughs> do we really want to really smart magical people are telling you this with like foresight don't you want to I don't yeah. know, heed what they're saying, but I, I uh, my, my favorite instance of that is when um when she's like to Thingol, she's like, Yo, do we really wanna in Baron and Luthien, she's like, Yo, do we really wanna involve ourselves in the oath of Feanor right now? Yeah. And he's just like, Shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. He goes right on ahead. Yeah, just goes right on ahead and entangles himself in the oath of Feanor. Yeah, Melian and uh, Galadriel, to me, I see them as pretty similar. Uh, character types. Oh, yeah. Like Galadriel's sure. kind of the Melian of the Third Age. Yeah, for for sure. I definitely see that. And uh, uh, Galadriel's actually, uh, it says that she's incredibly smart and learns very, very quickly. And she learned all she could from anybody, which is, as, I say, as we say, typical Noldor shit, right? Yeah, they're always those ones yearning for knowledge. And uh, we've got a quick excerpt about this. Being brilliant in mind and swift in action, she had early absorbed all of what she was capable of the teaching which the Valar thought fit to give the Eldar. Yeah, so she's sharp as attack, man. Sharp as attack. Really like those, those sons of Minway, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, she's, she's like a sponge. She just absorbs information. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point, Melian and Galadriel are speaking together uh, uh, together with Valinor. This is one of the only times in Tolkien I can think where two female characters talk to each other. Yeah, this is one of those <laughs> few instances because there aren't many female characters, let alone multiple of them together. <laughs> they talk to each other. Yeah, so uh, in this conversation, Melian really wants to know the full story of the exile of the Noldor because she doesn't believe that the Noldor just happened to come out of Valinor for you know right loyal yeah. re- like uh, friendly reasons like just to come over here like, like why she, would you do there's that? obviously something behind this because they haven't given really any any reason so at first when Melian asks Gladriel has a very diplomatic response and we have an excerpt about what she says for that woe is past, said Galadriel, and I would take what joy is here left untroubled by memory, and maybe there is woe enough yet to come, though still hope may seem bright. It's a politician's answer if I ever heard one. Yeah, saying a lot without <laughs> saying much. <laughs> yeah, saying a lot without saying too much at all. But Melian, uh, she continues to press, and here's a little excerpt of what she says. For what cause, Galadriel, were the high people of the Noldor driven forth as exiles from Amman? Or what evil lies on the sons of Feanor that they are so haughty and fell? Do I not strike near the mark? Near, said Galadriel. Save that we were not driven forth, but came of our own will, and against that of the Valar. And through great peril and in despite of the Valar for this purpose we came, to take vengeance upon Morgoth and regain what he stole." 
Melian then suggests that uh, this is information that her her husband, Thingol, the king of Doriath. Really sh- the king of Beleriand. Really the king of, yeah, effectively the king of Beleriand should know. Yeah, because this, uh, this is huge news for Melian. Melian and Thingol had no idea of, of a lot of this stuff going on. But I love I love this when she uh, she tells her like yeah Fingal should know about this. Galadriel replies maybe, but not of me. Yeah, she's like I don't want to be the one to tell him this. <laughs> yeah. stuff. like I don't he, I don't want to get involved. You didn't hear from me, sisters. But she's <laughs> she's basically saying because Galadriel basically even though she told vaguely the story, she still left out the kinslaying and the burning of the ships at Lostgar. Those are oh, two yeah. things that she knows is going to piss off Thingol because those yeah. were his family and his family's ships. Mm-hmm. And he yeah she she very shrewdly navigates this conversation very shrewdly. So yeah, she's like I definitely don't want to have to be the one to go in front of Thingol and continue this conversation. So not much else is heard about Galadriel in the first stage after all of that. Eventually Thingol does find out about the kinslaying, not long after actually. Yeah, he, and he allows the House of Fenarf and he's basically like we're cool because we're kin, but those sons of Feanor, I don't want to fucking hear from them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't, you know, I don't want anything yeah. to do with the sons of Feanor. Yeah, they are not allowed. They're not allowed. And he bans the speaking of Quenya. Completely, yeah. He's, he's pretty angry. He's he pretty angry. Out. But ultimately, Galadriel and Finrod, they're still on good terms with them because they're family. Yeah, yeah. So like we said, not much else after that is heard from Galadriel in the first age. We can assume that her and Celeborn survived the sacking sackings of Doriath. Multiple. There, there being two. Uh, in first stage 503 and then later, three years later in 506. Um, we can assume that they survived one or both of those. She and Celeborn also most likely moved to the havens of, the, of Sirion. Yeah, because during that time, during, I guess, the... L- the later end of the first stage after like sackings and things it was all refugees dude. there was a lot of yeah. refugees and a lot of them went over to kirdan down mm-hmm. in down in the havens of syrian and yeah, so they, that's most likely where they were and that was uh Arendil became lord of them mm-hmm. and whatnot yeah yeah and we can also obviously since we know that there are around later we can assume they survived the third and final kinslaying <laughs> at the havens of the Syrian. and then uh we can also assume that they survived the war of wrath but after the war of wrath a ban was set upon her to return to uh for returning to valinor yeah so she was banned from returning and that was because she was the last surviving leader of the rebellion of the noldor essentially everyone else is dead yeah well, like we said she wasn't part of the oath of feanor so that wasn't still over her but she still still did defy the 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 Valar. By she leaving. did still defy the Valar, and so she was partially covered in that doom of Mandos, mm-hmm. and she was still like actively like rebelliously living in Middle Earth. So. Yeah. So she's technically a criminal, dog. She's technically a criminal. Yeah. She's got a record, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She ultimately had no interest in going back to Valinor anyway. She she wanted to stay. Yeah. She and she told them that too when they were like, "You can't come back." She was like, "I had no interest in doing so anyway." It's kind of like, you can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> and so that pretty much wraps up the first stage. Um, so let's get into a little bit of Galadriel's story in the second age. So during the second age, she and Caliborn made their way down to Lindon, where they've ruled a small realm called, a small realm called Harlindon. So that's over on what is now the new west coast yeah, the new west coast what used to be basically osirian yeah and while they were pretty much autonomous rulers they were still answering to and under the uh, crown of gilgalad of course hiking gilgalad or gilgalad however you however know you potato potato yeah 
Gil Galad sounds kind of more badass. I think. Gil Galad. Yeah, Gil Galad. Hey, Gil Galad. Um, later, the couple actually moved down into Iriador, and they settled around Lake Nu. Uh, uh, I, I always screw this one up. Nenuiel. Lake Nenuiel. Nenuiel, which is in uh, what became later the Northern Kingdom. Yeah, slash. and we we think this may have actually been somewhere near where the Shire later sprouted. Yeah. And uh they left there in around the year 700 uh SA, second age. And uh by the year 750, they came to settle in the region known as Eregion. Yeah, and Eregion was a small realm in southern Eriador, well southeastern Eriador, near the foothills of the Misty Mountains, and it was ruled by a familiar figure, Celebrimbor. Yeah. The grandson of Feanor by way of Feanor's son, Curufin. And as you remember, uh, he actually repented of his father's evil deeds and stayed behind in Nargothrond after the death of Finrod and the banishment of Celegorm and Curufin. So he stayed and survived the fall of Nargothrond and made his way down to Eregion and started a little kingdom there. Hell yeah. Doing pretty well for himself. So during the time that Galadriel and Celeborn lived in Eregion, this is also when they made friends with... Amdir of the Nandor Elves. And these are the elves from the wooded area that would later be known as Lothlorien. In this time, they also gave birth to their daughter, Calibrian, or Calibrian. <laughs> Sorry, Calibrian. Um, but the actual date of her birth is unknown. But it was sometime while they were living in Oregon. And at one point, uh, Galadriel and Celeborn decide to take some followers and head down to live in Lindorinand, which is what later becomes to be known as Lothlorien. And what uh, Lindorinand means is the Valley of the Singers. Yeah. So right around this time is when Galadriel gets ensnared in the Rings of Power scheme. Oh, yes. Now we get to the Rings of Power. Yes. So Sauron in fair form, uh, known as Anatar, the gift giver, um, convinced Celebrimbor um, to do the Rings of Power scheme with him. Yeah, and this is, as we know, uh, this is when Celebrimbor makes the three elven rings by himself in secret. That's Vilya, Narya, and Nenya. And uh, these three rings were never touched by Sauron, unlike the other seven and the other nine. So these three elven rings were genuinely good rings. Mm-hmm. And when Sauron was revealed to Celebrimbor, this Celebrimbor knew Sauron would try to reclaim the three rings, so this is when he sent the rings away. And Vilya and Narya, the red ring and the blue ring, respectively, are sent to the Havens to uh, to live with um, uh, Gilgalad. But the other one, Nenya, entrusted to Galadriel. Of course. Of course. So eventually Sauron did come to try to reclaim those rings from Celebrimbor and Eregion, and this is ultimately what leads to the downfall of Eregion, and it is completely laid waste, and this is when Celebrimbor is murdered. Yes. So naturally, uh, Gladiru and Celeborn, and, well, no elves are living there anymore. But this brings us around to the first White Council. So Galadriel knew that there must be some sort of fucking leadership or some organization um, around the problem of dealing with Sauron yeah, after he, his defeat in Aragorn. Yeah, because yeah, this is a big problem. He just took out an entire region. Yeah, and that was the war. The his defeat in Aragorn is known as the War of the Elves and Sauron, which we've talked about on the podcast uh, before, I mm -hmm. believe. Yeah, this is basically the first resulting war that comes from the Rings of Power scheme. This is when he tries to get all the rings back. So she she uh, calls together the first White Council, and it's uh, consistent of the most powerful immortals in Middle-earth. And what did they decide at this council, Joel? So at the first White Council, they decided that the Three Rings should be kept in secret and that the new formed refugee city of Imladris would be the headquarters for the fight against Sauron. Yeah. 
And they also, yeah, they also decided that they weren't going to rebuild their Regian. They were going to abandon that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were going to tunker down in in this new little Imladris. Imladris, which we know is Rivendell, right? Mm-hmm. Same place in that magical little valley there. Yeah. And while in Imladris, Calibrian met and fell in love with Elrond. Boom, chicka, wow, now Elrond, half elven. Yeah. So this is how uh, Galadriel's daughter ends up marrying Elrond. And uh, they wouldn't marry for a few more centuries, though, in Third Age 109. And that's because Elrond was pretty fucking busy, and we'll get into why. And we'll get into why here in a second. So at the end of the Second Age, Galadriel and Celeborn lived with a following of mingled elves near the mouth of the Anduin at what would later be known as Dol Amroth. At that time, it was called Edhelond, and uh, this is something I did not know. I had no idea that they lived so far south. Yeah, they lived down there for a little bit. Why not? That's what I, I like about uh, this. Down in Prince Immerhill's country. Yeah, like that's what I love about this couple. They're just like... They're ruling everywhere. Yeah, there's, there's elves here. Let's go rule them. They're like, over yeah. on the, sh- the West Shores <laughs> for a while. Then they're in Eregion for a while. They're on the like the shore of a lake for a while. And then now they're down on like the southern shore in the sun. Like, yeah, They're dude. just all over the damn place. They get around. Get around, round, round. Yeah. Walking around. <laughs> I really hate the Beach Boys. I know that's a <laughs> an unpopular opinion, but I, I can't was raised stand on the them. Beach Boys. I know they're so vanilla, man. They that's are the very. Thing. Anyway, so <laughs> back to Gladriel. So when Amroth, son of their friend Amdir, was killed in the last alliance, the couple decided to move in and take over the the leaderless kingdom um, in the early years of the Third Age. So that's really what Elrond was uh, preoccupied with was the last alliance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Elrond. Yeah, the reason why Elrond didn't get married to Galadriel's daughter right away is because he was. Yeah, he was doing all this last alliance stuff, and that lasted quite a while. Yeah, and kept a, him pretty fucking busy. It took over. Yeah, he was busy. <laughs> Yeah, so now Galadriel and Kelgorn go back over into these woods that would later become known as Lothlorien. They'd been here before, but now it needs a ruler. So now Galadriel and Kelgorn back in the woods that would later be known as Lothlorien, now there to rule this area. Uh, this is when Galadriel plants a Melorn seed. And this is when that area becomes, no- becomes known as Lorlinand, the Valley of Gold. And since the fall of the fall of Sauron at the end of the Second Age, she was free to use her ring, her ring of power. It was no longer bound to the One Ring anymore. Well, I mean, it still is, but nobody's using it. Oh yeah, after the last yeah. alliance, when he was diminished, right? And the ring was lost. Basically, she was. Yeah, I guess they. I guess I didn't realize there was a point where they were allowed to start using their elven rings again, just openly. Totally. Yeah, totally. And that's what makes uh, Lothlorien dope as fuck, dude. Oh, I suppose she was able to use her ring. Nenya, that was the ring of. The Ring of Adamant? Adamant. Yeah. It's uh, the white ring, blue stone, that's made of Mithril. Nice. Oh, hell yeah. So, uh, after this relatively peaceful time, we come to the Second White Council. And this is called, the Gladriel calls this in the year 2463 of the Second Age. And this was to deal with the threat of the necromancer in Dol Guldur, who we know was ultimately Sauron. Right. And this uh, second White Council consisted of, but was not limited to, Saruman, Gandalf, Radagast, Elrond, Galadriel, and Círdan, the motherfucking shipwright. So uh, during the second White Council, uh, Galadriel's wishes were basically ignored uh, when Saruman was chosen to head the council. Galadriel wanted Gandalf to head the council. Mm-hmm. 
and she straight up says this in the chapter in the Fellowship of the Ring. Isn't that when they're in the forest? When they, yeah, when they're in Lothlorien, she says like, "Yeah, I didn't want that prick Saruman to be." Hell no. <laughs> yeah, he wanted. If they would have had my witches, it would have been Gandalf. So in the year Third Age, twenty five eighty, Gandalf discovered for sure, without a doubt, that it was indeed Sauron living in Dol Guldur. Not just some random necromancer. Yeah. And uh, after Gandalf reveals this, uh, Saruman, oddly enough, dissuades the others at the council from taking any action at all. And this is because Saruman was secretly searching for the One Ring already himself. For himself. For himself. But later, he realized that Sauron was also searching the Gladden Fields for the Ring. And that is what made him let the council drive Sauron out. Yeah, that's when he finally okayed them taking action. It was for his own... His own reasons. He didn't want Sauron to find the ring first. Yeah, he's basically like, I'm going to thwart this guy from finding the ring so I can find it. So ultimately, that's when uh, we know the council gets together, including Galadriel and Elrond and Gandalf and Saruman, and they all go to Dol Guldur and they drive him out. Drive him out. And Sauron returns to Mordor. I got to say, the Hobbit films, the scenes... Not of the, terrible. The scenes of the White Council in Dol Guldur, they weren't too bad. That was, no, it was yeah. fun. It trying was to, like, seeing them fight, like, the the uh, ring wraiths kind of getting their physical form back and stuff that was yeah. fun and i think we talked about that a little bit in episode three in episode the, three episode three way back there 40 episodes ago what we uh, actually liked about the hobbit yeah, films yeah check liked. it out so after sauron is driven out of dol guldur uh, he returns to Mordor in the year 2941. So while all this goal, uh, White Council stuff is going on, like in between their meetings... Dealing with the necromancer. Dealing stuff. with the necromancer and whatnot, um, some pretty terrible shit happens to Galadriel's family. Yeah, it turns out actually back a few hundred years, so back in the year 2509, Galadriel's daughter, Calebrian, was traveling and waylaid, and she was captured and tortured by orcs. And we talked about this a bit in the uh, Elrond character profile. Right, right. Oh, we did, yeah. And uh, she was later rescued by uh, her sons, Eladan and Elro here. Yeah, 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 sons of Elrond. But the damage had already been done. She'd been tortured so bad that she kind of dis, uh, grew disillusioned with life in Middle-earth. And she just uh, sailed to Amman into the Blessed Realm, and we don't hear from her again. It's nice that she didn't ultimately die from that. Right, Because that's kind yeah. of the dark end you'd expect that story to take. But it's mm-hmm. nice she got to actually go to the realm. But still, that I know that was a, that was a huge hit on Elrond himself. Yeah, yeah. And imagine that happening to your... Your, your daughter, too, mm-hmm. you know? And I know that the sons of Elrond, Elodan and Elrond here, they held, like, a huge grudge against orcs. Oh, yeah, they went on that. their Wyatt style vendetta run mm-hmm. against orcs for the rest of the Third Age. <laughs> and, like, and I can only imagine that that was devastating for our subject today, for Galadriel, seeing her only daughter get killed, or get, not get killed, but get tortured by orcs and have to ultimately leave mm-hmm. to where she knows she can't go. Yeah. she Because Galadriel was banned from Valinor. Mm-hmm. So moving forward a little more, let's get into Galadriel's role in the War of the Ring. So in that magic year, Third Age 3019, the Fellowship enters Lothlorien, and they are greeted with honor. Uh, Well, not at first, but then when they realize what's up, they're greeted with honor. <laughs> yeah, by the time they come in contact with Galadriel and Celeborn. Yeah, they're super, yeah. They're honor. greeted with honor by, by Galadriel and Celeborn themselves. And the company are ultimately in awe of the Lord and the Lady. And we've got a cool excerpt from the Fellowship of the Ring. Very tall they were, and the Lady no less than the Lord. And they were grave and beautiful. 
They were clad wholly in white, and the hair of the lady was of deep gold, and the hair of the Lord Caliborn was of silver, long and bright. But no sign of age was upon them, unless it were in the depths of their eyes. For these were keen as lances in the starlight, and yet profound, the wells of deep memory. Yeah, what a quote. Beautiful. That just makes me think of the way that he describes the rise. It makes me think of basically them having seen the light of the trees. Yeah. Well, and just like, you know, you've seen, you know, you've like, you ever looked in somebody's eyes and like, that person's seen some shit. Like, it's true. Yeah. She is also <laughs> thousands of years old at this point. Yeah, exactly. A lot of experience behind those eyes. So at this point, this is when the Fellowship tells Galadriel and Celeborn about the Balrog and the fall of Gandalf and Moria. And after they let them know, this is when the whole realm of Lothlorien grieves at his loss. Yeah, and they sing that really sad, elvish song. Yeah, the elves mourn and they sing. But the company, for now, are given rest in Lothlorien. And this brings us to a wonderful scene with Galadriel and the mirror of Galadriel. Yeah, yeah. So later on, when they stay in, in uh, Lothlorien, Sam and Frodo... They're discussing their interaction with the lady, and like, because they haven't they they see them at first when they get there, and then there's like a couple days before they see them again, mm-hmm. and uh, they're just kind of talking about what it was like. <laughs> and uh, here's a little quote from Sam about what it felt like. If you want to know, I felt as if I got nothing on, and I didn't like it. She seemed to be looking inside me and asking me what I would do if she gave me the chance of flying back home to the Shire to a nice little hole with a bit of a garden of my own. So later Sam and Frodo are given the chance to gaze into Gladriel's magic mirror as we know, and we've got a uh, quick excerpt about that. What will you see if you leave the mirror free to work? I cannot tell. For it shows things that were and things that are and things that yet may be, but which it is that he sees even the wisest cannot tell. And so uh, Sam and Frodo are both shown crazy visions that neither neither of them really understand the context of. Sam sees uh, the Shire burning and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Frodo sees, he sees uh, the uh, Gandalf in the Balrog, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they, they, they don't obviously understand this elf magic shit. So here's the thing I was talking, I was thinking of earlier, right, when I was writing this. This is a Tolkieniering thing. What if the mirror of Galadriel taps into or is in conjuncture with the power of Irmo, the Valar of the Lord of Dreams and Visions? I think that's pretty cool Tolkieniering. I like that. Because it involves water, I guess I would think that maybe it's somehow connected to the power of Ulmo? Maybe they're all working on it, dude. Maybe everyone's working together. Yeah, everyone's like, let's make Galadriel's mirror dope. Yeah, because we were talking earlier because Ulmo sends dreams to Tyrgon and Finrod, Finrod, which we assume maybe that was like Ulmo and Irmo kind of working together. Yeah, maybe it's like a maybe it's like a like a telegram service. Like you hit up Irmo like, yo, I want to tell this mortal something in a dream. (laughs) Then Irmo's like, that'll be nine (laughs) ninety five. And then he gives him, you know, 10 bucks, whatever, and then uh, he makes that dream happen. God, Irmo's got to be making a killing off this. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. He's the only true capitalist in Valinor. <laughs> you want to make a dream, you got to pay. You know what I mean? So uh, back in the in the gardens of Gladriel, um, so after Sam and Frodo look into the mirror of Gladriel, this is when Gladriel reveals to Frodo that she is, in fact, the bearer of the ring Nenya. And she explains to uh, Frodo that the fate of the Eldar is is also tied in with the fate of the ring and the fate of everyone, really. 
Because if Frodo succeeds, Nenya will diminish along with the power of the Eldar. Because like once the One Ring is destroyed, her ring doesn't work anymore. Yeah, so despite the fact that the three Elven Rings were not touched by Sauron, Mm -hmm. they were somewhat linked to the One Ring. Yeah. So once the One Ring is destroyed, their power diminishes as well. Mm -hmm. So then that's when Frodo straight up offers to give Galadriel the One Ring. Yeah. And this is when she has her like moment of temptation and she resists the offer. Mm -hmm. And it was our opening excerpt. That's what she says to him. Yeah. Place of a dark lord, you would set up a queen. Yeah, but that's like yeah, that's not before she ended up showing some of her true power. And uh, we've got a excerpt about this as well. She lifted up her hand, and from the ring she wore, there issued a great light that illuminated her alone and left all else dark. She stood before Frodo, seeming now tall beyond measurement and beautiful beyond enduring, terrible and worshipful. That's some of that light of the trees juice right there. Oh yeah, yeah. That's some of that high elf shit, Calaquendi. Yeah, so I think that's similar to like what Glorfindel does on the to the Witch King. Oh yeah, know? yeah. Show like, like his his light of the trees yeah, power. Like, now you see me, son. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so after this temptation of Gladriel, apparently this temptation is considered her quote last test. And basically, in resisting the power of the ring, the ban of the Valar was lifted on her, and she was allowed after this, to return to Amon. Yeah, because she straight up stood up to the evil and uh, faced it down. So that I guess that was enough to sort of pay her debt for rebelling, and she was allowed back to Valinor after this. Yeah. Which I guess is lucky for her, since now everything's going to be diminishing. Yeah, so why not? Why not go home? So the other thing that Galadriel does when the Fellowship is in Lothlorien is she gives them a bunch of gifts and supplies them with a whole bunch of stuff. She supplies them with some really worthwhile shit, too. Like, this is this shit literally saves them. Yeah, and one of those things is Lambus bread. And this is given to mortals for the first time since the first age. Yeah, this isn't something that gets handed out. And the last time it was handed out was Melian, her old buddy, giving it to our good friend and my favorite character, Turin Turambar. That kind of says something, because I'm sure she was around for that, Galadriel. Oh, yeah. So she probably recognizes the significance, like, she recognizes that this this journey is is just as significant as the journey that Turin Turinbar. Of Turin Turinbar, yeah. Uh, listen, we're not going to get into all the gifts that she gives, but here's some of the significant ones. There's like three or four of them, right? Yeah, yeah. So Frodo's given uh, the uh, vial of Galadriel, and uh, inside it is captured the light of the Silmaril that's on Arendil's brow. Which is ultimately, mm-hmm. as we know, the light of the trees. Right transit of property um the uh, this is also when galadriel gives the elf stone to aragorn. aragorn yeah and then uh he uh this stone was there's a couple different versions of this but the version i like slash picked for this episode was it was given to gandalf uh, uh to take back when he came at the beginning of the third age mm-hmm. um it was given to him to show like you know we're not abandoning you guys and we're still with you um and it was given to uh to gandalf and he gave it to galadriel and he said that she would one day give it to somebody who bore the name of the stone, Elfstone. And what word, Joel, means Elfstone? Elisar. Elisar. As we know to be Aragorn's title later on when he's king. And she gives, yeah, she gives him the Elfstone. He wears it for the rest of the War of the Ring. People know him by it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a fancy piece of swag, dude. One of the other ones that is, uh, I didn't understand how significant it was until I learned all this stuff for the episode. And that was the three strands of her hair to Gimli. Because remember we talked about, in the beginning of the episode, not 20 minutes ago, we talked about how she wouldn't give it to Feanor, remember? He asked for... Yeah. 
So that was a pretty significant gift to just give to Gimli. And a dwarf, nonetheless. Like, a, another one of her high elves tried to get hair of hers, and she said, fuck no. She said no. And then a dwarf, somebody that I'm sure most elves would probably be pretty pissed off to hear got this. Yeah. He's the one that gets these. And so Feanor asked for a tress, which I assume is a lock, right? A lock of hair. And then she wouldn't give him a single hair. And then Gimli asked for a single hair, and she gave him three. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a huge gift. And it was basically like we were talking about this earlier, like because her hair captured the light of the silver of the trees, these three golden hairs are basically like the new dwarf version of Silmarils. Right, yeah, because he because uh, Gimli goes on and he encases those hairs in a, in stone mm-hmm. or in diamond of some kind. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and they go on to be heirlooms of his house. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I suppose it's like a dwarvish version of the Silmarils. Yeah, yeah. And the other significant gift was the uh, Malorin seed and the dirt from her garden that she gave to Sam. Yeah, as we know, that that later goes on to replace the party tree and helps return the Shire to glory after the scouring. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and for that, guys, listen to our our amazing season finale last season, uh, the Scouring of the Shire. Hell yeah, that was an awesome episode. Yeah, it was very popular too. Thanks, guys, for listening and sharing and whatnot. So Galadriel post-fellowship, they leave, right? They eventually go down the river and do their thing. The fellowship does. The yeah, fellowship. They, the fellowship yes. leaves Lothlorien, yeah. So not long after the fellowship leaves Lothlorien, this is when the newly resurrected Gandalf finally passes through Lothlorien. Yeah. It was like a week later, too. Yeah, yeah. It, w- it wasn't long after. <laughs> and so now everyone in Lothlorien is super happy to know that Gandalf is still alive. Yeah, and then Gandalf does his thing. I think he goes off to Rohan, right? Is that where he goes next? That's where he goes next, yeah. And uh, yeah, so he goes off to Rohan. And then when that happens, I didn't, and this is stuff that I didn't know, Lothlorien is attacked by three separate armies from Dol Guldur mm-hmm. three separate times. And Galadriel repels them with the power of Nenya all three times. A little bit of Power of the Ring action. Yeah. But after this, Celeborn is done with, he's done with Dol Guldur. So Celeborn leads this attack on Dol Guldur. And Galadriel uses the power of Nenya to throw down the walls of Dol Guldur itself and cleans that land of evil finally. They just straight up go from, what, Lothlorien into the Greenwood, into Mirkwood, and they just finally fucking go assault that place. Yeah, and then they cleanse it of evil. Like the little lady from uh, from fucking Poltergeist. This land is clean. (laughs) (laughs) And that act of cleaning the land was really Gladriel's last act of power with the ring. Because shortly after this is when the One Ring is destroyed in Mordor, and that ends... The power of her ring. That ends the War of the Ring, and that ends the power of her ring. So we hear from Galadriel here and there after the war, a couple different times, really. Just really two different times. Mm -hmm. So the next time we directly hear from Galadriel is at the wedding of Aragorn and Arwen, her granddaughter. And they roll deep with all Elrond and his uh, Rivendell people. Here's a little uh, quote about their little uh, entourage. First rode Elro here, and Eladan, with a banner of silver... And then came Glorfindel and Aristor and all the household of Rivendell. And after them came Lady Galadriel and Celeborn, Lord of Lorien, riding upon white steeds, and with them many fair folk of the land, gray cloaked with white gems in their hair. Looking fresh to death. Fresher than a motherfucker. (laughs) So after the wedding, Galadriel and Celeborn actually stay in Minas Tirith for a while before they return to Lothlorien. But finally in Third Age... 3021 she said goodbye to her husband Celeborn and she set off to Valinor so this is when Sam and Frodo meet her uh, and Elrond and Bilbo on the road 
And uh, before they even run into them, they first hear them far off. Yeah, they hear them from before their they see them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're singing to Elbereth. Yeah, they're on their way to the Havens, and they're just, you know, they're finally going to say goodbye to Middle-earth, and they're going to go to Valinor. They're singing hymns to Elbereth and just having a jolly time. Hell yeah. And here's a little excerpt about that. Gladriel sat upon a white palfrey and was robed all in glimmering white like clouds about the moon. For she herself seemed to shine with a soft light. On her finger was Nenya, the ring wrought of Mithril, that bore a single white stone flickering like a frosty star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. So, I'm sorry, in the, earlier in the episode I said it was a blue stone. It's totally a white stone. What an idiot. Elrond's is the blue one. Sorry, guys. But ultimately she departed uh, on the ship from the Havens with the other ring bearers, who include... Elrond, Gandalf, and of course Bilbo and Frodo. And that pretty much uh, is where the conventional story of Galadriel ends. With her sailing over to Valinor and living out the rest of her life there. Yeah. Well, I mean, she doesn't have a rest of her life. She's immortal. You're you saying she's slain over there? Is that what you're well, saying? Well, I should say lives out the rest of the life of the Earth until, yeah, exactly. until the Dagor Dagoroth. Right. Here's some fun um, non-canical things that may have happened. <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. So like we've mentioned multiple times before during this episode, the, you know, there are multiple versions. So here's here's a couple fun alternate versions of Galadriel's story. So it is said in Valinor that um, Galadriel took up the uh, cause to heal Frodo's spiritual wounds. And uh, it's what it's not known yeah, whether after or not Valinor, she, yeah. after Frodo went to Valinor too, yeah, yeah. She also uh, later met up with Caliborn again in Valinor. Caliborn was allowed to come to Valinor. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Oh, and then there's also the fun, uh, the the fun story that Galadriel was the one that pled for Gimli to be able to be the first dwarf to enter the Blessed Realm. Yeah, which I thought was really cool. It's really nice, isn't it? But that's uh, basically all the information we've got for you guys on Galadriel today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hope you enjoyed it, guys. Uh, I know that that uh, female character profile was a long time coming. We apologize it took us so long, but here it is. And yeah, thanks for listening and sticking through it with us. Yeah. And uh, here's a little surprise. Can we tell them about the other surprise? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. Next week, we're doing it again. Another <laughs> another female character profile. Knocking yeah. him out. Next week, yeah. Eowyn. Son. Son. Excuse me. See? So used to saying son. Eowyn. Daughter of Aelmund. So stick stick uh, stick around for that, guys. Yeah, everyone, one of everyone's uh, favorite mortal female characters. Yeah. But uh, again, thanks for listening, guys. This has been KOT Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media if you like what you're hearing. You know, you can go ahead and follow us on Twitter at KOT Podcast. Also, if you want to follow me, my uh, Twitter handle is at Danny J. That's J-A-Y. K-O-T. And you can follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash official keep on talking and while you're there uh, go ahead and join our kot talk group that we've got that's associated with the page um there's a lot of fun questions and discussions going on and people just generally sharing some good stuff it's a, it's a fun group to be a part of yeah so go ahead and, uh, and join in some of our conversations and if you hurry we're doing a silmarillion read-along so yep, we're still actively going through a Silmarillion yeah. read-along. I'm sure by the time this airs, we'll probably be getting over halfway through it. But about, about there, yeah. But yeah, feel free to jump in and join on. It's a lot of fun. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram if you're more of a visual person. And that's at Keep on Tolkien Podcast. And don't forget to sub- subscribe to us on SoundCloud or iTunes or really wherever you get your podcasts. And that's usually at www.website.com forward slash Keep on Tolkien. <laughs> 
Yeah, and stay up to date on all the new episodes, and please rate and give a review if you like us, because we love to hear those things. Yeah, they give us uh, something to live for. They give <laughs> us hope to carry on. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, but yes, also, we would like to thank our heroes, the people that give to the Patreon. Yeah, we want to throw out a big thank you to you guys. Um, and if you want to subscribe to our Patreon, it's www.patreon.com slash podcast. Um, and the subscription to Patreon, it, it helps us uh, financially. Um, KOT is a 100% DIY podcast. It is still coming out of our pocket for all these costs. Uh, but donations help mitigate that cost quite a bit. Quite a bit. It, yeah, it really helps us just bring the the great content you guys like at the same level of quality that you expect from us. So it kind of helps us keep going. Yeah. And as a little bonus, there's some uh, you can unlock some super cool exclusive content. And uh, it's always not safe for work, usually. Yeah, we have a lot of fun with the <laughs> with the Patreon content. We figured yeah. it's extra content. Why not make it fun? If you think this show is crazy, <laughs> uh, yeah. go check out that Patreon content. Go check content. out that Patreon shit. Um, but yeah, as always, guys, um, I am Danny J. And I am Joel N. And as always, keep, keep on, on talking. Oh,